Welcome to Getting to 5050, brought to you by Pratima Rao Gluckman. Each episode, we bring a thought leader who discusses the changes we can all make to help bridge the gender gap at the very top. Today, we have around 5% of women running Fortune 500 companies. How can we get to 50% so that we have diversity of thought and opinion that is so critical to the success of organizations and humanity in general? My name is Pratimara Gluckman, and today I have the honor of having Dr. Telly Whitney on the show. Dr. Telly Whitney is a computer scientist and entrepreneur. She is the former president and CEO of Anita Borg Institute, serving for 15 years and taking the organization to one that has global impact and reach. She co-founded Grace Hopper Celebration with Dr. Anita Borg. The conference brings research and career interests of women in computing to the forefront. It is the premier event for women technologists worldwide. The event supports and inspires women to further their careers, break boundaries, and transform the world of technology. Grace Hopper Celebration grew from 500 attendees in 1994 to a whopping 18,000 in 2017. It's such a great pleasure for me to introduce Dr. Telly Whitney. Telly, I am so excited to have you on the show. It's very exciting to be here. Nice to talk to you, Pratima. So Telly, do you want to talk a little bit about just the Grace Hopper celebrations and the Anita Borg uh, organization? Sure. Um, the Grace Hopper celebration is this extraordinary conference and it's a, it really is a celebration of the achievements of women computer scientists making a difference in the world. The attendees are undergraduates, graduates, and working professionals. And women come to the conference because it does make a difference in their lives. They have a chance to hear from other women, women who are having a profound impact on the field. They also have a chance to network. There's a lot of career advice. Um, it's For the last few years, it has sold out in just with under 24 hours. There's just a lot of demand as women come together and really celebrate together the, their contributions to the computing field. I mean, in my role as CEO of the Anita Borg Institute, having these young women come up to me and say, this changed my life. Uh, happened all the time, and it really made a profound difference to um, in me and my world. I was I was CEO of the Anita Borg Institute for the last fifteen years, and we grew into a significant organization. In addition to the Grace Hopper Celebration, which was its flag, the Anita Borg's flagship program, we also did a lot of work with companies, looking for them to change the way in which. They embrace women within their ranks. Thank you, Telly. When you invited me to Grace Hopper in 2016, and as a hiring manager, one of the things I struggled with was a pipeline problem. Everyone kept saying there was a pipeline problem, and I felt there was a pipeline problem too because I didn't get a lot of resumes of of women. But when I went to the Grace Hopper uh, celebration in 2016, I was amazed. I remember just walking down the halls and seeing all these women, like these young college graduates. And I was going like, you know what? There isn't really a pipeline problem. I don't think we look hard enough 
that was kind of what I, that was my experience. It was such an aha moment. And just going back to the impact that we have in a girl's life. And this podcast for me is important because it's about change. I want to really affect change and I want to see the needle moving in the tech industry. But I've noticed that women and girls especially, they kind of need some form of an intervention sometime in their lives. And so where can we make the most impact? Is it in elementary? Is it in middle school, high school, college age, professional, or maybe even at an executive level? Where do you believe we can have the most impact? Well, so if you're looking to create change, um, the first thing you need to understand is that you have to do it differently. To repeat the same behavior and expect different results is just not true. Uh, For many people, they talk about the pipeline problem. And right now, the the comment that means that the percentage of women um, graduating in computer science is about 18%. But here's the thing, is that it varies a lot by universities. At Harvey Mudd College, for example, it's closer to 50%. Stanford University, the, it's computer science is the largest uh, major for women at Stanford. And so there are universities that are making a profound difference um, in the graduation rates. Many people think about the pipeline as well. We should look at elementary school or middle school and high school and uh, reach out to them. And I think that that's important. But this is not a pipeline problem. I, I really do believe that until we have women in the ranks of companies so that young women can look up and see people that look like them in the higher ranks, we're not going to create change. And I'm not saying that it's, it, I mean, some of the programs that, that are happening in middle school and high school are um, are very exciting. But you've got to understand that at that age, an intervention, especially a one-time intervention, um, may or may not have the results that they stay within they decide to study computer science. Um, I actually am on the board of something called AI for All, where they do summer camps with girls. This is in high school. Um, and one of the most important aspects is that there's also some follow-up so that these young women not only get exposed to AI, but they also remain in community throughout their high school. And that's the time where I say making that it can make a difference. Yeah. And one of the things I also noticed just writing this book and trying to get a lot of women leaders and getting their stories because I wanted to create these role models. What I realized was having women on boards is very important, but it's very hard to get these women on boards. You know, some of these companies where they can really influence or just get more women and have equality there, but they can influence these companies to have high potential women really climb up this ladder. And I feel like that's tough and we don't talk much about it. Well, I do think that if you look at um, having women in leadership, it's really important. And I would beg to just disagree that it's not hard to get women on boards. You just have to have a focus. There are, I mean, There are many public companies that have two and three women on their boards, and they just do it as a matter of practice. 
Um, when they go to recruit new board members, they make sure that they have candidates that are both women and underrepresented minorities. And by focusing in on this, they create that change. And in general, if you look at companies that create change throughout their their executive ranks, it really is about that. What you measure, you will change. And so understanding that if you are systematic about the way that you promote women and underrepresented minorities, and you continue to ensure that your numbers are good, it will make a difference. Yeah, that makes sense. And today, if you look at the number of CEO women running Fortune 500 companies, it's very low. It's around 6%. That was one of the things that really broke my heart while I was doing research for this book is we won't get to 50% until 2085. <laughs> it's depressing, very depressing. I have a four and a half year old daughter. She's not going to see change until the 70s. So what is one change that we can do to make this happen sooner? Because I want it sooner. I want it now. <laughs> and what do you think one change or, you know, what is that key thing that we can do to really start making this change faster? Well, once again, I mean, I, I, what you measure, you will change. There are companies that are creating change today. And uh, there are companies like Microsoft that actually have their <clears throat> executive bonuses tied to that their workforce, you know, are they are they moving women up the ranks? Looking at your leadership development and ensuring that you have qualified candidates in your in your leadership development that include a wide range of women, underrepresented minorities, allows you to have candidates for opportunities that further up the chain. There are companies that are systematic about their about their workforce development that see a huge change within their um, within their companies. I also believe that role models are important, and you mentioned this earlier. If you if for the young women who look up and see people that look like them in the top ranks, so this is especially the executives that report to the CEO, the top executive ranks. That's really important. The officers of the company. Yeah, what would be great is these companies can actually talk about the change they're trying to make and also measuring themselves against it and maybe doing some predictive analysis on all the processes they're having in place to make these changes. Like how soon can we get there? And also, is this really causing that ripple effect that we want? Right. I think that is so important. And I I don't quite see that or I'm unaware of it or maybe I have to dig deep and do a lot of research to get that information. But that's information that's not available to the public. So the information that you you want is is how companies are doing with regards to their overall workforce. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. How are they doing just in terms of the changes that you're saying Microsoft is doing, all the processes they have and the structure they're having, what change are they seeing <laughs> year over year? That would be nice to see and how they can predict. <laughs> I'd like to know 2030. <laughs> Right now, what companies are doing is that they are releasing their numbers over of their overall workforce. And that's, a, I mean, Pratima, that's a step in the right direction. It does make them publicly accountable for change because if they're releasing the same percentage you know, year after year, it's obvious to everybody that there is no change. So 
that's a great first step. But internally, the companies that are making a big difference are going to be measuring that at every level. So what's your percentage at entry level? What's your percentage at mid-level? What's your percentage at the senior level and the executive level? And then diagnosing where you're losing women. Understanding that you can actually create change by understand, understanding where women are leaving. And the, the secret is, is that this is not the same at every company. That depending on the culture, you may be losing women at different places. I mean, one of the most common places that I see is within the technical ranks. And so women become frustrated. They do not see advancement within being rewarded for their technical contribution. And so they often take a different position that may not have the best long-term impact, but they can see advancement in the short term. Yeah, I've seen that too. What really prevents these women from rising in technical ranks? What do you think that is? Well, if, if I mean, what I know is that for for many women, they don't understand the process. They don't understand um, why they would be promoted. So what is the advancement criteria? It's a little vague to them. And because it's so often men that are making decisions about advancing within the technical ranks, um, you know, consciously or not, um, many, many people want to see people that look like them. And so women are not necessarily promoted within the technical ranks. Yeah. And talking about men, how do we get men into this conversation? You know, so we can, we can't do this without them. Right. Right. And how do we get them into the conversation? Some of them I've heard are really afraid of the whole Me Too movement. They're really afraid to sponsor women. They're afraid to be alone with a woman in a meeting. There's all this anxiety around that. And how do we get them to be more comfortable? Sure. I mean, it's, if you think about it, it's about 25% of the technical workforce are women. So you do need to engage with the other 75%. I mean, that makes sense. And most men at a top level want to work with good people. And most people find that a gender balanced team is actually more fun to be a part of. And so from a high level, they want to create change, but there's a lot of fear. I mean, if you think about yourself as a majority, when you start seeing change within the minority participants, there's a lot of fear of change that we all, that we all have, have experienced in various aspects of our life. And so what you want to do is engage with them. I've seen programs that work really well where men and women come together and they talk about together what are the goals that we want to do. And then providing a safe space to share stories and so that the majority population actually hear from their trusted colleagues about some of the experiences that they've had. There's it can help create an environment where it's a safe way to say, oh, my goodness, I had no idea. And then men and women can come together and create programs and create change that over time can embrace 
all people to participate in the technology revolution. Right. And I am seeing some form of, it, it feels like a revolution is brewing, at least when it comes to diversity and inclusion. There's a lot more talk about it. Uh, a lot of CEOs have diversity and inclusion as one of their goals for the year or for the coming years. So do you feel hopeful that we're primed for a change? Do you feel, do you feel like we're, you know, we'll get there someday? Well, I do see a lot more attention on diversity and inclusion. So that's the good news. I still see that many people are giving up lip service without truly embracing true change. And so what I would really, I mean, what, what I want to see are CEOs and executive teams that are willing to make the commitment to create true change. And I, I think that that's still a work in progress. So I'm an optimist by my very nature. I believe that this is possible, but it's certainly not a given. And it does take true action that goes with the, the lip service to this idea. Right. And I like the the point you made about focus. I didn't quite think about that, but the point you said um, you made about just having focus on this important subject. Mm-hmm. Because I think once you have that focus and it's like laser focus, once you have that laser focus, you can try and uh, create change that way. Well, and if you listen to CEOs talk about it, you can tell those that are really just saying it because somebody told them to do it. And those that really truly embrace this as something that's key to their future. And it's really that latter part that will create true change. Right. Just, (laughs) this is kind of like advice for me in some sense, because I've like my personal story kind of grew up gender blind, never thought about being a woman in tech. I always thought of myself as a person in tech. And it was only in 2016, I had this, this aha moment. Since then, you know, I've become this feminist, (laughs) this, uh, this person that I'm actually laser focused on this effort. But at the same time, I find that there's a lot of people who are supportive of it, but I do find a lot of people are like, oh, she's a feminist. We need to stay away from her. And you've done this for pretty much all your life. So how do you deal with that? Or have you come across that? And how do you handle that? It is, once again, this goes back to many of us have fear of change. And so when you come to come to the table and you are expressing a new idea, many of your colleagues can respond with fear. So a couple of things that I think is really important is that I respond with data. So I, it's important to not be strident about a particular topic, but to really take a step back and present it in terms of the data and to, to paint a picture of what this change can do for them. Because once again, you want to engage with the, with the, the leadership in order to create change. And so you have to, and it's important to find a way that matters to them that um, gets your point across. And yes, it is tricky at times. Sadly, I've heard, um, you know, a lot of young women that are really trying to find their own 
way of being part of technology. And they get a lot of negative reaction from their male colleagues. And it's difficult for them to navigate that because they want to be part of a team. And so I think that that's too bad. And once again, it's important to, to, to provide young women with the story for, so that they can be able to talk about why they care about this, this topic. Yeah. So what is one thing you want to tell our younger generation to do better than we did? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's nothing more exciting than watching young women embrace technology. And, um, you know, what, what I think is important is to be true to your own inner voice, to really embrace innovation, to embrace your dream and to really go for it. Right. And I remember we talked about this uh, informally once, and you talked about how the younger generation is actually demanding change. Mm-hmm. You talked about them. And I thought that was interesting is like, they're basically coming here and saying, you know what, we demand this. This is, this is what we need. So do you find that a lot with the younger generation where they're demanding change than, you know, than we, we demanded more than what we demanded? Young people, both women and men, They want to have a family. They want to have a life outside of work. They want to contribute to technology, and they want to do it all. They do not want to do it in the same way as what they as the um, their elders, so to speak. And so they are demanding in the workplace a different kind of lifestyle. And just going back to a little bit of a, a Grace Hopper, you know, I've, I've been to the conference. It's amazing. I've been to a lot of the sessions, but I don't see a lot of male executives that show up to Grace Hopper. They just send all the women there and the women are the ones who are, you know, at the booths. They're the ones who are doing speaking sessions. And what happens is uh, all these executives or this, you know, the, the people in power actually don't see the impact you're making at this conference. How would you want to change that? If at all, we want to get more men uh, to come to this conference and, and look at all the amazing things they're doing. And I've also heard that men, when they come there, they're just like a minority and they feel very uncomfortable. And I'm going like, this is exactly how women in tech feel. We feel this every day. And you just have to go through this for like, what, three or four days of the conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Well, in 2017, about 5% of the conference attendees were male. Um, and companies more and more are sending not only their women, but they are sending men. So that is something that is happening. And part of it's part of their overall strategy to integrate uh, men and women together to create change. One of the things that occurs at the Grace Hopper Celebration is something called the Technical Executive Forum. And it's a, it's a small, it's about 100, 150 people, and it's technical executives. And that's well over half men. So we actually do consciously reach out to both um, men and women leadership to attend the conference. One of the things that I find that works is very successful is that companies design their attendance. So they bring in their executives, including some of the men. They um, and then they have 
meetings where they get together at the conference and it introduces the, the women. I mean, it shows the support of their senior executives to the women who attend because they see them there and they engage in a dialogue. So it's important for some companies. I mean, the, the way that it works the best for companies is for them to design their participation of Grace Hopper, bring in senior executives, bring their women, and then have some offline conversations that aren't directly at the conference. So attendees won't see those that can make a huge difference within their own culture. Finally, I wanted to kind of talk about this, and this is very close to my heart. Out of the 19 women that were featured in the book, only four are women of color. And while I was writing this book, I did try to, you know, really dig deep in my network. And it was really depressingly hard for me to find women leaders of color. And uh, so this kind of exposes a very systemic problem we have uh, where, you know, women of color are doubly disadvantaged by both effects of racism and gender bias. And we're so poorly represented both as professionals and as leaders. And this kind of needs to change. So what are your thoughts on that? And what can we do in this area so we could get more women of color into this profession? Um, very great question. So um, one of the things that you and I talked about is that Grace Hopper Celebration is a recruiting event for, um, for many companies to come and recruit more women. And as you look to create change, one of the guiding principles is you need to go where the women are in order to hire them. You also see that with um, people of um, underrepresented minorities. There's a sister conference called the Tapia Celebration of Diversity in Computing, which is a conference it's modeled after the Grace Hopper Celebration, but that brings together a diverse set of students and for companies who are interested in recruiting, um, uh, once again, you need to go where people are. Um, I sit on the board of the Center for Minorities and People with Disabilities, and they are—they uh, actually do have a number of, of systemic programs that look to increase the participation of underrepresented minorities, but first and foremost at universities so that you can increase the pipeline. Um, but companies, much like with what we discussed with women, can hire um, more underrepresented minorities. And there are companies that do. Um, IBM, a number of years ago, um, systematically opened up their um, opened up their pipeline to underrepresented minorities. And if you look around at their very senior executives, they have a much more diverse set of people that are part of that. So I, it's certainly possible. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be much slower, but I'm trying to be optimistic. <laughs> so thank you, Tally. Those are all the questions I had. It's always wonderful to talk to you every time. And you're inspiring and you're such a, such a great role model for women in tech and just your tireless, tireless effort in this area. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure. Every time I talk to you, it warms my heart. Well, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Pratima. Thank you, Tali. I wanted to share some takeaways that I got out of this conversation with Tali. We're really so fortunate to have her as a change agent for women in tech for over two decades. And we're fortunate to have the Grace Hopper Celebration for Women in Computing become such a thriving conference under Tali's leadership. 
By the way, if you haven't gone to a Grace Hopper celebration, I encourage you to go. It can change your life. Whether you're male or female, a technologist, or if you see yourself as a stakeholder in having women to be more successful, I encourage you to go. And buy your tickets right away when they go on sale because they sell out quickly. So one takeaway I'd like to highlight is sort of why it is important to lead in the area of women in leadership, and it can have many fringe benefits. Because Telly was CEO for 15 years of an organization that is a change agent for women in tech, she developed perspective on what it takes for organizations to make the changes to embrace women in leadership. If you decide to take a lead in the area of being a champion for women in leadership, you too will develop a better perspective on this topic. I know I experienced that for myself once I decided to lead on this topic. I developed a better perspective. It has made my life richer and more fun. It has brought me in contact with other women leaders, and I have benefited from having them in my network. And it is really a great feeling to have your leadership positively impact the careers of others. So please consider leading on this topic. Another takeaway is that organizations that truly want to make a change in female representation in leadership are able to make the change. Microsoft is doing some great things by holding their executives accountable by tying bonuses to improve metrics and diversity and inclusion. It was interesting to hear Telly talk about all the ways that our male colleagues can benefit from improving the climate for female leaders and organizations. It was great to hear Telly say, a gender balanced team is more fun and more productive. I can't agree more. Well, that's all of my time for this podcast. I want to thank you for listening in. And I hope this podcast gives you more clarity on some best practices for fostering change to have more women thrive in leadership. My next episode will feature a thought leader who's making change in their world. I hope you will join me. Thanks for listening to Getting to 5050. If you enjoyed the show, spread the word by visiting www.pratimaraugluckman.com. After listening to the podcast, I hope you feel empowered to make a difference in your organization and communities. You have the power to change the world. Thanks again and see you next time.